Hi everybody, my name is Santina de Rover. I grew up in the Netherlands, um, was born and raised there, went to school, um, did my psychiatric nursing um, program and became a licensed psychiatric nurse in the Netherlands and worked there for a couple years. Um, I met my husband when I was 16. Um, we dated for four years um, and then we got married when I was like 20. Um, we got pregnant with our first one um, baby when I was 21. Um, we got our little daughter, Ninka. Um, around when our daughter was two years old, my husband got a job offer um, to come work in the United States. He accepted the job offer and so we packed up all our stuff, our little baby girl, and we moved to San Jose, California where we lived for eight years. During those eight years, we um, got four more kids, four boys. So um, within just a matter of handful of years, we had five kids, one girl, four boys. Um, as of now, before I start my actual introduction, um, sorry, I'm talking with my hands. Um, as of now, I'm working as a resident care coordinator at a assistant living facility and I work in memory care. Um, I have 23 residents that I oversee and that I help um, to give them the best care they can and I oversee the staff, um, that uh, care staff that help with all the care the residents need. So um, going back to to raising five kids and raising four boys, four boys born within five years, um, within with a span of five years. So as you can imagine, we have been really, really busy. <clears throat> so the job of being a mother of one or more boys can be one of the most rewarding jobs, but it can also be one of the most difficult. You're wondering, like, how do you raise your children well from a cute baby to a toddler, to a preteen, to full-blown teen, to young adult, to a responsible young adult. <clears throat> you find yourself in many situations where you simply don't know what the right thing to do is. As a quick testimony about myself, I grew up in a broken home myself. Um, there was not a lot of love and nurturing, so I didn't really get a lot of tools. Um... When I started dating my husband, I loved going to his house. His family had five kids, uh, not knowing that we would end up with five kids as well. But I loved to be part of their family and the hustle and bustle and busyness of, of five kids. And I think I got a lot of my tools unknowingly from watching uh, my in-laws raising their kids. Because when I started dating my husband, their youngest was still eight. So I've seen... Um, the younger kids going through um, their teenager years. Um, so, yes, didn't got a lot of tools. <clears throat> and then we moved to the U.S. with one little girl, and then we had the four boys in five years. Um, we had to be completely dependent on each other. Um, and then, like, the the biggest thing, what, what helped us through so much was our church. 
um, they really became our family away from family. The truth in the Bible have always provided a lot of wisdom. The book of Proverbs in particular is full of wisdom on this particular subject. For example, Proverbs 3 verses 1 to 12 talk about many different aspects that all seem to have something to do with raising children. Things like not neglecting wisdom from parents, disciplining, love, obedience in following instructions, etc. So how do these all relate and which one do you apply to your own situation and when? To better understand this, I'd like to share an insight with you that we learned a number of years ago. Um, it was by a book of Dr. James Dobson. He's a Christian psychologist who has written many books about raising children. <coughs> Excuse me. Especially strong-willed children. Some of you might be familiar with his books. The insight in this is we have to recognize that there are different phases in the parent-child relationship. And our behavior as a parent should be different in each phase. <coughs> I'm getting a tickle in my throat. In particular, we can recognize four main phases. <coughs> the first one <coughs> is the nurturing phase. This is the time from birth till about four months to a year. During this phase, a baby does not have much of a will of its own, and the only valid response a parent can and could have is to nurture and love that baby. The baby is completely helpless, and it's up to the parent to provide all its needs, <clears throat> most importantly to love and nurture it. Medical science has actually proven that certain critical connections in the brain are formed during those first months and connections that deal with feelings such as love and empathy for others. Little babies who are neglected during this phase often lack those feelings later in life and are much likely to develop harmful or criminal behavior. <clears throat> the second phase is what I call the disciplining phase. This is a time between 7 months to a year and say 9 or 10 years old. For some it ends a little sooner, others a little later. And you'll soon find out after those first seven months or so, the first sign of rebellion start to pop up. You won't hear the word no just yet, but you might find your child swiping the jar of baby food off the table or touching the TV after you told it not to touch it and so on. At this phase, it's critical that you administer appropriate discipline. <clears throat> Discipline comes, comes forth from love. As a parent, you tell the child no in many occasions because you want to protect it. You set safe boundaries, first physical boundaries, but later also spiritual boundaries. <clears throat> when the child crosses one of those boundaries, consequences or discipline is in place. In this phase, it is important that you clearly explain to your child what the boundaries are and what the consequences are for crossing those boundaries. Things like, if you annoy your brother one more time, you will spend the next 30 minutes in your bed without toys. Or one that we've been using quite a bit. If you don't finish your chores in the next hour, we'll turn the data off of your phone. Because our little boys are now high school and college students. And that seems to be working reasonably well. 
Spanking. <clears throat> Oftentimes the question comes up, to spank or not to spank? Many modern-day psychologists will tell you how damaging spanking is for the child, and laws have been put in place that even prevent you from doing it in public. And <clears throat> we, we were pretty old school when our kids were younger, and I agree with Dr. Dobson that a well-placed swat on the hand in appropriate times is often way more effective than any other consequence you can think of. It doesn't make sense to me to try to explain the two-year-old that he will be in bed early if he keeps on touching your flat-screen TV. Some simple guidelines are the spanking should not be a result of your own anger, don't be the aggressor, and B, this is typically, it's only effective at a younger age, between the ages of one and five, and so. It's typically more effective for boys than for girls, what we saw with our own kids, and above five years old, then it typically hurt a lot more, um, like, mentally. Um, we try to swat our kids for a little bit on the hands, um in the time frame when they were younger, but when they grew older, older, it was better for them to have consequences like time out. That often was very effective and that worked just as well for us. <clears throat> the third phase is what I call the coaching phase. This is the time between preteen, say 10 years old, all the way through high school, say 18. In this phase, your role as a parent should change from disciplinary to more of that a coach. What does a coach do? Well, you teach your skills, motivate, inspire, and challenge um, to stay to have the your kids stay on the on the preferred path to follow. Give instructions on how to follow the path and provides feedback when the when the when your child gets off track. The parents lay out the path with instructions and expect certain wisdom from a child to follow those instructions. Part of this phase, and this can be difficult for the parent, is to teach the child to make its own decisions and let him or her be responsible for consequences. Sometimes this means learning the hard way, but other times you still have to set boundaries. <coughs> For an example, we have had the discussion going on in our home where our kids think some of the DMV rules are stupid, like practice the full 50 hours before getting your driver license and no friends in the car for the first six months, etc. They say that <clears throat> nobody does that, the DMV doesn't even check with the parents, which is true. And my par my friend's parents let them drive around with other kids in the car. We have always been very strict with those kind of things and sim simply take away the car if we find out there is any violation of the rules. Anyway, this phase of raising children can be quite challenging, especially those teenage years. But it can also be one of the most rewarding times in the relationship. The key here is that you're a good role model because they really do observe your every move. As a parent, I think it's especially important that you're a good role model when it comes to spiritual matters. For example, going to church every week or going to youth group. <clears throat> if you don't, if you as a parent, you don't set an example of going to church regularly, why would your child do that? Or if you don't read your Bible regularly, why should they? 
um, we made um, an effort to our kids were allowed, of course, to play sports, to play music, but from the beginning we always let them know that sports or any other events should not take over the Sundays. We didn't want to travel to other cities to play sports. Um, we really had always the focus like on Sunday we go to church um, and we have family time in the afternoon and it was really our Sabbath day. And now that our kids are older, they do really appreciate that. Um, and the same thing with coming to youth group, of course, they had many times that are like, no, we don't want to go. Um, or my friends are wanting to go hang out. I want to go hang out. And which means they would skip youth group. But we always have been strict with like youth group. When you are in our house, when we're raising you, um, there is no choice really to not go to youth group. Youth group and church is very important. Um, and in the long run, they really do benefit it and enjoyed going, even though sometimes they would a little humble and mumble before they would leave the house because they really wanted to hang out with their friends. They also do have friends at youth group. And in the end, they came home totally fulfilled, uh, had fun with their church friends and um, really learned um, to be still with the Lord, with their church friends, um, do small group and um, learn about how to grow your relationship with the Lord. The last phase <clears throat> is the mentoring or friendship phase. This phase spends the time from 18 years old adulthood till as long as God gives you here on the earth. If you as a parent did a good job during the early phases, by now your child should be a responsible young adult who can make decisions for his or herself. Your role as a parent should change again from coaching and giving directions to mentoring, basically sharing your wisdom and guidance in certain tough situations if your child asks for it. Regarding the mentor um, relationship, the initiative comes from your child, your child in this case. You can offer your wisdom, but you cannot force it. The result of this kind of relationship is a lasting friendship that hopefully only becomes better over time. So these are the four phases we have to recognize when raising the children. The nurturing phase, the disciplining phase, the coaching phase and the mentoring phase. And as a parent, we have to adapt to each phase. This is extremely important and it can be very challenging. I try, I try to summarize what happens when we adapt to the next phase too soon or too late. And I'm, I will be talking about nurturing and discipline. The first one is nurturing and discipline. When you start disciplining during the nurturing phase, this is damaging for the child's emotion and health. The child does not understand the concept of disciplining yet, and it, it just needs to be loved and nurtured. What happens when your child grows into the disciplining phase and you start continue to nurture it? Well, I've seen it quite often, and I have two words for that. Those are more the spoiled kids. 
the ill-behaved children who don't know what boundaries are because their parents don't teach them the concept of boundaries and consequences. <clears throat> I don't want to offend anybody, but if you're struggling with this concept of disciplining, it's time for you to take some action because this is the phase where you lay a foundation for the rest of your child's life. I highly recommend the book Have a New Kid by Friday by Dr. Kevin Lehman. He has an excellent approach to disciplining and we're still applying some of the strategies on our own children. So this is Have a New Kid by Friday by Dr. Kevin Lehman. Now the state of disciplining and going into coaching. What happens if you mix up the phases of disciplining and coaching? Well, if you start too soon with coaching, basically you give your child too much responsibility too soon, which may lead to anarchy and disobedience. Once you give your child a lot of freedom in a number of areas, it's very difficult to take away that freedom when it's necessarily to limit their freedom. On the other hand, if you need to move on to coaching your child, but you're still disciplining him or her, you don't give enough res responsibility away. This typically leads to rebellion that all of a sudden may show up when you don't expect it. It's like a volcano eruption. The child has been wanting the additional responsibility, but you have not been giving it. And so your child will seek it outside the home when you're not around. Personally, I've struggled with this one the most. It's very hard to for me to let go of some of the rules and consequences I set. And my kids have told me many times that, I, that I'm a helicopter mom. But luckily, my husband is not a helicopter dad. So with the help of him, I had to learn to let go of some of them and give away responsibility and try not to become overprotective and overcontrolling. Then there is the stage coaching and mentoring. Finally, between the phases of coaching <clears throat> into mentoring, you start a mentoring friendship relationship with your child when he is still a child. Basically, your child will grow up too soon. I've seen it too often too, where a preteen or a teen is treated like an adult in terms of sexual freedom or other liberties. Remember, they are still children. Even if they think they are not at that age. On the flip side, if your child has become a young adult and you're still in the coaching phase, there is the danger of your young adult becoming too dependent on the parents. Like, in other words, they never learn how to grow up. Or the other thing that can happen is that the parents are too still too involved in the children's lives. In other words, the parents are too controlling. Both attitudes are not healthy for the long-term parent-child relationship. So let me see if I have some examples with my with my four boys. Having four boys in five years, I had to be very structured with them, um, especially when, when they were younger. That's, I really realized that this is the foundation I set for the years to come. Like we have a couple very strong-willed children, but with laying a good foundation when they were younger, it helped so much when they start um, becoming the preteen and you know going into the teenage years. So um, it is hard when you have kids all close in age, like with the four boys we had in five years. I had to be structured with them, but 
it also brought a challenging when moving in between the different phases, especially when the oldest boy or boys were ready to move on to the next phase while the younger boys were still in a previous phase. Um, teaching them the foundation of faith is the main key. As I mentioned before, not going to church or youth group was not an option for our boys, even if they were reluctant or trying to get out of it. They are thankful now. At least the older boys are. The younger ones still try to come up with sometimes with an excuse to not go. Teaching them gentle, gentleman mannerism like the way they propose and talk to the parents of a girl they're interested in. Like we told our boys, um, if you're interested in, in a girl... Um, during the time to get to know each other and they're reaching the point like hey i would like to date this girl we are a little old-fashioned we told the boys like if that's the case then you need to go talk to like the dad of the family and explain your motives and why you would like to date the daughter um we have seen that with our son-in-law um our oldest Ninka, she was the our first child. She was the daughter, and just um, looking to see how her boyfriend then um, such a godly young man, and for him it was so important that um, to have us, the parents, to be fully supported, supporting their their relationship, going into officially dating. And he told us, he said, it might be very, it might sound very old fashioned. Um, but he said to me, it really means a lot to know that I have uh, you and Dick's support uh, while I'm dating your daughter. And in a way, it was great to, to ask a little bit more questions about the motives and um the long-term goals they had for the relationship and how God was um, is was going to be part of their relationship. So after experience that with our oldest girl, um, we knew that those are the qualities we want to install in our four boys um, before they started like dating and making serious commitment to the girl. And they have been they've been doing that. We have now. Um, three boys that are dating our oldest boy he is now 21 um, he just proposed to his girlfriend like several weeks ago so we'll we're having a wedding next next year and our 20 year old boy um, he's also in a serious relationship for the last two years and our third boy he is 18 and he is currently dating a very sweet christian girl um so we're we're very happy about it so i can give you a little bit of overview real quickly about our five kids because after um explaining all the stages um i can give you a quick overview how the kids are doing now so we had five kids in a short amount of years we had busy years uh, with disciplining coaching mentoring through all those stages um, we had our our my husband mentoring each week our children uh, just a half hour 45 minutes 
um, in the quietness of his office or going to the Starbucks, getting a special drink and just talking about God and um, reading through Bible verses and really build into them. That was his special mentoring time with our kids. So... Um, our oldest, our daughter, she is now 25. She gave us a run for the money. She was very strong-willed. Um, and I had many times that I wanted to pull out my hair. But we really st stick to our our foundation, our rules. Um, I don't know how many times you have said that we are overprotective. And nobody, no family has those kind of rules. Now on the flip side, she's 25 years old. Um, she is happily married for four years. Um, she is expecting her first baby in August. And she has told us that she has been very happy with how we um, raised the kids, um, her and her siblings. And that she now understands better um, why we lay down the foundation um, for our kids. Um, our next child, the first boy, is um, 21. He is at, in college. He's a senior in college. He wants to do physical therapy. Um, he just got engaged and they're looking to probably move to Arizona next year to start physical therapy school. Our Third child, the second boy, he is 20 years old. He is a junior in college. He is focusing on business, accounting, um, and has been dating his girlfriend for the last two years. Then we have our third, fourth child, but third boy. Um, he is um, approved to go to the pre-paramedic um program at the OIT in Wilsonville here in Oregon and he will do that program in combination with the medical university teaching hospital OSSU in Portland and then we have our youngest he is 16 he's going to be a junior in high school and his focus <clears throat> is going to be um, computer science so another thing that I wanted to add to for us, we never homeschooled our kids because, to be honest, I don't think I could do it with all five kids, all young and, you know, so close in age. Um, <clears throat> so we sent our kids to the public school, which has been really wonderful. Um, of course, they have seen and learned a lot, but we used the, all those moments and things that happened as a teaching opportunity for them. Um, while they still lived at our home going to a public school, we had um, the church and the youth group um, as a counterpart to kind of like balance it out uh, with them going to a public school. But then when it was time to go to college, um, three, our oldest three children went to a private Christian university and that really um, helped them to start the journey of a living a Christian uh, journey for themselves with not living at home anymore. And that has been um, really beneficial for them. 
Um, but of course, that's not for each child. But even if your child goes to a public university, which our four child will do, um, he still will be going to a young college uh, Bible study and going to church to really um, stay connected with the church while um, going to college. Um, <clears throat> ultimately, we need God's wisdom. But he has provided us tools that made it easier if we first follow him. So as, um, as a husband and wife, it is so important to um, build into each other. Make sure you're a team. You're praying for each other. You're praying with each other. You're making time away um, to really grow your relationship as a husband and wife. And with that, you will see that raising your children in a godly way um, will be so much, uh, I don't want to say easier, but in a way it is easier if you feel like your your husband and yourself are, um, are a team and you have the same goals. And even sometimes my husband and I would um, have different opinions. Uh, about certain things or about certain things that the kids wanted to go do but we always say like to the kids like hold on first um, me and dad need to go talk about it before we can say anything like a yes or no and it really helped um, to get to come together as a as a couple but also for the kids to see like hey mom and dad are one they cannot go play one out um, to the other one. It's not like, oh, mom will always say yes or dad will always say yes. No, they know there is no playing around. If mom says no, then that means dad is automatically also a no. So that has been huge in our um, married 